Hello, my name is Jim. Welcome to Baby Boomer Tales. My wife and I like to go to Branson, Missouri once in a while. It's a great place for a mini vacation. If you're not familiar with Branson, there are theaters all over the place there with basically bluegrass and country type shows, but there's also other type shows. There's wonderful theaters with great plays, wonderful theme parks, and it's just a little town of 10,000 that you would swear there were a couple hundred thousand people living there because of all the condominiums and hotels and Airbnbs and businesses. It is an amazing place. It really is. And it's a fun place to go. It's only four hours from our home, so it's an easy drive. And we go down at least once a year for a little two, three-day mini vacation. It's good for the heart, good for the soul, a lot of fun. Well, we went there and we saw two shows. I think I mentioned those a couple of weeks ago. We went down on a Tuesday, spent Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Well, Thursday night, after we had got out of one afternoon show that we had wanted to go to for a long time, Kim was sitting next to this guy that told us about the best hamburger in Branson. So we went and sought it out. And it was in a craft store. I think that's what it was. In the very back of it was this little restaurant. And it had a stage and they had live music there. And we had to stand in line to order our food. It was a busy place pretty much, you know. Word was out on it. It was a fun place. Well... I ordered a double hamburger, thinking it'd be like a double hamburger you get at Culver's. Well, they brought me the hamburger out, and it had to be six inches tall between all the condiments and the buns and the two patties. It was a lot of food. Kim said, don't eat all that. You won't feel good. I had a couple of stomach aches the week before. And I had attributed them to eating late at night or eating too much late at night. Stomach aches are not common with me at all. I just don't really have them, you know, unless I have a stomach flu or something. But I ate the whole thing. Plus, I had a couple Cokes, which I really hardly drink soda pop anymore. The one time I do like a good Coca-Cola, though, is when I eat a hamburger. Well, we had a good time there and looked around the store and watched the people playing music and I walked up and I tipped them and all that stuff, you know. Then we went back home to our Airbnb we had. It's right on a golf course and it was really nice. You could sit outside during the mornings and watch the golfers cheating at their game. All that stuff, they all walk right by you. Went to bed just happy as a lark. Knew that in the morning we'd get ready at our leisure and pack up and drive back home. Well, about one o'clock in the morning, I did not feel well. My stomach hurt. I didn't feel good at all. I got up. Finally, I couldn't sleep. It was hard to lay down. I didn't want to watch TV, so I listened to a couple podcasts. Tried to get comfortable. It got really bad. And then it kind of subsided, and I felt better, and I thought, well... Maybe I can go to bed now. I tried laying down and immediately it came back in a vengeance. So I walked back out to the little living room and I googled my symptoms. I was starting to get short of breath. My stomach hurt right under my sternum, 
right under there. It, in fact, it felt hard and bloated or something. And I thought, I shouldn't have eaten that hamburger, as delicious as it was. Well, as I Googled it, I started to uh, pick up on some of the symptoms they were saying. said I was having a heart attack. I had my shoulders, the backs of my shoulders, just ached really terrible. I was really short of breath. I felt hot. I was very uncomfortable. I didn't have any pain in my arms, really. But And so, finally, I woke him up and said, you need to take me to the emergency room. Walked outside, and it was raining. And somehow, she negotiated finding a hospital with an emergency room. Got me in there. I told them what was going on. They got me in really, really quick. Put me in a room, started doing a ton of tests. And then they started doing sonograms and all these scans on me and all this stuff. Well, to make a long story short, was there until about 9, 10 o'clock in the morning. They let me go, told me I had a gallbladder full of stones and it was causing pancreatitis. I didn't even know what pancreatitis was, but I'd heard of gallstones before. And they told me when I got home to call my doctor, set up an appointment. So it was a long trip home. My wife drove, of course. I couldn't drive. By the time we got home, it was 4 o'clock in the afternoon or something. And I waited till Monday to call. And they got me in to see the doctor on Thursday. In between that, I had a nurse call me and ask me all kinds of questions and stuff. And I wasn't in any pain. I was fine. One thing they did to me in the hospital that I had never experienced, and I argued with them at first, is they gave me morphine. Well, as soon as they gave me that morphine, it was in my IV, my head felt like it was a balloon and someone had blown it up about halfway, then started scratching on the outside of the balloon. And I thought, ah, this is terrible. And as soon as I thought that, it seemed to have gone down into my body and totally relaxed me and the pain went away. I really wasn't in any pain from that moment on. I'm not advocating drugs, but that morphine did the trick. It did. My head felt okay. But that first thing with balloon head here, it was the weirdest thing and it was not good. But once it kind of went into my body, I was good. I was good until I wasn't later on. When I saw my doc, he explained to me that I needed to get my gallbladder out, and I argued with him a little. I'm comfortable arguing with him. He's a nice, nice guy, and we do go back and forth once in a while. I question everything as I get older. And he convinced me that I should have my gallbladder out. I might go for years without a flare-up, but the flare-up could come at the most inopportune time. And it could injure my pancreas. Okay, I'll talk to your surgeon. So I went in and I had an appointment. After a couple more interviews by nurses, I had an appointment with a surgeon. That that's what she did. I got her picture, you know, on the website anymore. She looked like she was a girl in high school. She really did. Okay, whatever. Everybody's looking young to me anymore anyway. Well, she was really nice, and she did convince me to make an appointment for a surgery. I visited the surgeon on Monday, 
after my Thursday visit with my doctor, and we scheduled a Friday surgery. You know, I couldn't eat anything. They were going to put me to sleep. Is outpatient surgery, and in my mind, I had it pictured like getting a colonoscopy. In fact, it was better than a colonoscopy because I didn't have to drink that terrible stuff that made you sit on the toilet all night. I don't know what was worse, drinking the stuff or sitting on the toilet, but this is easy, just like a colonoscopy. Well, that Friday, I was scheduled for surgery. I couldn't eat anything, you know, that morning or drink anything. I'd quit taking my aspirin and my fish oil and all that stuff the week before, so my blood wasn't thin, and I was ready for surgery. We were there 15 minutes early. It's 9.30 surgery. I had to be there at 7.30. Well, while I was at the surgeon's office making the appointment, when I walked out of there, my good friend Mark was in there talking to the nurses. They were all kind of laughing and stuff. And, hi, what you doing here? And we visited a little. And as I was driving home, I realized, oh, well, Mark, he always goes into surgery. He works at the hospital. He's a physician's assistant. So I realized that that's why Mark was there. He wasn't there because of me or a coincidence or any of that stuff. So as I was waiting to go into surgery, here's Mark again. And he's bobbing his head around. I realize he's looking for me, so I'm waving at him. He came over and he walked me back into the room where they prepped me for everything. And he told me he'd visit me afterwards. He's a very good friend. He really is. Well, I have never had so many people pay so much attention to me in my life. I had nurses all around. I had anesthesiologists, everything. They asked me a million questions over and over, and they explained why they did that, and that's okay. I didn't have anything else to do. It took my mind off of everything. They asked me if I was nervous, and of course I wasn't nervous. It was like a colonoscopy, right? They came in, and I had to lay there with this gown on. I was naked underneath. I guess it was for surgery. And all of a sudden, this one nurse came in. She had to shave me. As she was shaving, like, part of my chest and down to my private area. Can I say that on podcasts? You know I know you can, because they say worse things on other ones. What came into my mind is, this must be what these young guys do. You know, you see these advertisements for body shavers now? What the heck is going on? Well, that's not what I do, but she had to do it for surgery, and I understood. Well, somewhere in between, I asked them how long it would be before I could go outside and do my fall chores before winter comes. Fall's a busy time of year for me out here. I have to clean chimneys and gather firewood and handle machinery for the winter, get it prepped for the winter sometimes grade my driveway, uh, all this stuff. There's a ton of stuff to do around here. And one nurse said, you can't do anything for 10 weeks. Well, the doctor told me two weeks. And I was trying to get the nurses to tell me, oh, you could probably go home and start doing it. I mean, this surgery is kind of going to be like a colonoscopy. Then my surgeon came in to visit me. She looked like a high school girl in her picture. She looked like she was probably 30 when I visited her in her office. And now she looked a little bit older. She really did. Maybe she was tired. Maybe she had her game face on. I don't know. I asked her in front of the nurses, like they're saying 10 weeks and all this stuff. And the doc looked at them and then looked at me and said, two weeks, 
Your body will tell you if you can't do it or not. The nurses got quiet right away. All of a sudden, I realized I was playing a doctor against nurses. My wife had told me that the nurses are the ones that run everything anyway, and don't do that to them. Of course, I did, and I'm sorry, nurses. I appreciate everything you do. You took such good care of me. I hope that didn't cause any repercussions, because that's on me. I didn't mean anything by it. I was just trying to get a pass. Well, they put some kind of mask on me, and I was starting to get a little drowsy. It wasn't like a colonoscopy at all. There, before they wheeled me into the operating room, went through all these corridors, and finally went into this little room. It looked like it was a janitor's area. There was things everywhere. Looking back, it must have been all this equipment they used because there were a bunch of surgery rooms in there, and they wheeled me in. There again, I had a bunch of people just paying attention to me. One girl named Emily was just like my advocate there, helping me out and stuff. And I must have been getting a little loopy because I thought she was Molly, this girl I know. I wanted to call her Molly so bad, but I remembered her name was Emily. Next thing I know, I was out. I remember coming to, it was almost like I was in a dream. People were talking to me and stuff, and I'd go back out and whatever. Finally, I wake up in my prep room. I guess it was the same room where they wheeled me out of, and I didn't feel very well at all. And it was nothing like a colonoscopy at all. And they let me stay there till I felt better. No one offered me the pineapple juice like a colonoscopy. And they wheeled me out in a wheelchair. I never thought I'd accept being wheeled out of a hospital in a wheelchair instead of walking out. But I gave no argument at all. My wife pulled up to the place where I was sitting there with this nurse, and they got me in the car, and Kim took me home. I got home. I looked at myself in the mirror. It looked like I'd been stabbed four times. There's two wounds on either side of my belly button on the outer closer to my side. Then there are two wounds closer to my belly button and in line with my belly button. That night I could not lay down. Getting into the bed was an amazing thing. I, I couldn't do it hardly. So I got up. I kind of walked around. I'd sit my office chair, you know, it's adjustable so I could adjust it real high and stuff. I couldn't pee, I couldn't poop, didn't want to. One thing I did do, all of a sudden a cold front had come in and I turned the heater on and the air conditioner off and I went downstairs and opened the heat vents in the basement. That's what I do in the late fall. Why I did that and I had to reach up and stuff. Kim was asleep, she didn't even know I was doing this stuff. Started taking pain medicine, but just Tylenol. The next day, I was miserable. I couldn't move without these wounds just screaming at me. I guess I know what it's like to be stabbed now. I did take some opioids, drugs that they had prescribed for me, which I always said I wouldn't do because people get hooked so easy. Now, I've never been one to be addicted to stuff like that, even though I went through a drug period in my life. But that was nothing like the morphine they gave me at the hospital down in Branson either. But it did help. I coughed once and about made me pass out. So from that point until even today, I try not to cough. I found that if I kind of clear my throat from deep down inside, <coughs> like that, 
it would take the cough away pretty much. I have this electric reclining chair. They're great. They're great for watching TV and stuff. But I recline in there and I'm fairly comfortable, but I couldn't get out. Kim would have to pull me up. Very painful. And I couldn't poop, but at least I could pee. But I had to sit down to pee. Well, by yesterday, I thought the rest of my life I would be sitting down to pee. Now that's okay because we have an ADA toilet in our bathroom. We remodeled our bathroom a couple years ago and put an ADA. Anyway, they're taller than the regular toilets you have when you're young. And it was easier for me to get up. Our guest bathroom doesn't have one of those, but it has a counter I can push myself up. But so I was just coming to terms with, I'm going to sit down to pee for the rest of my life. And it was okay. I mean, I didn't have to use any stomach muscles. Everything you do with your stomach, you turn, you sit up, you get out of bed, you cough, you sneeze, everything affects your stomach muscles or your stomach muscles control it. And I couldn't without excruciating pain. I look in the mirror. When I first got home, when I looked in the mirror, those full holes looked like bullet holes. But within hours of the first time I saw them, I could see the slits in them, and I knew they were surgical holes. And I was told not to mess with the glue on them. They didn't even stitch me up. They glued me back. So I've got to be very careful with that. I totally underestimated that surgery. They asked me shortly before I went into surgery if I wanted something to make me relax and not be anxious about the surgery. I, what? Me worry? <laughs> this is like a colonoscopy, man. Maybe that was to my advantage because I was not anxious about it even a little bit. thought it was going to be a walk in the park. Wednesday night I did finally poop. I'd been taking Miralax. They told me to get some. And then all of a sudden, you know, I don't think I need Miralax anymore. I hope I'm not grossing you out. It is just what it is. You know what I mean? I slept pretty good Wednesday night. Pretty good. If I turn over, it wake me up. If I try to flip my pillow over, I'd be in pain. I guess those stomach muscles again. Last night, I slept very well. First time. I didn't wake myself up when I turned my pillow over. I like to do that, apparently, when I sleep. I haven't taken any drugs since that Saturday. So I had the operation Friday. Saturday, I took drugs. Sunday, I haven't even taken a Tylenol. I want to thank the doctor for taking such good care of me. I want to thank the nurses. They went over and beyond the call of duty for me, and I really appreciate them. And I want to thank Mark for being a friend to the end. He's still checking up on me, making sure everything's okay. I want to thank my wife, Kim, because she has had to basically take care of me like nobody's business for a couple of weeks now. Actually, it's been three weeks when this whole thing started and ended. It's not over yet. I know I've got to take care of myself. I've got another week before I can even consider doing something outside. And at this point, I can't think of that. I can't imagine stacking wood or cutting wood or splitting wood. I don't know how I'm going to get up on my roof and clean my chimney. I had started having my son-in-law, but he was here in the summer and I didn't even think of it. I just said all this because my life has become an open book on this podcast. Sure, there's things that I don't share, but the one thing I want to share with you, no matter what, what I held on to, what I hold on to, 
a model that I try to adhere to. By Jesus' stripes, I was healed. Always be kind everywhere you go. You never know who's going to need that kindness that comes from you. I'll be back next Wednesday. Peace out.